When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever, Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance and ready to roll on this Wednesday, the first day of the rest of our football lives. You know, they say dress for the job that you want. How about dress to manifest the result that you want? I've got the jet shirt working under the suit today. Only one place. Let's start. Here we go. Only one place to start. The New York Jets open training camp for the first day of the rest of our lives mm. with Aaron Rodgers. It's been like a dream month so far. I have an excitement about coming down Jets Drive. I think he's a man on a mission right now. Win the Super Bowl or shut up. J-E-T-S! Jets! 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 You will forgive me if I'm a little excited today, but this is the most interesting day that has taken place in my football lifetime, or at least... In my conscience football lifetime, when the Jets won the Super Bowl on January 12th of 1969, I was all of one year old. Uh, My parents will tell you that I watched the game, or at least that I was in the room while the game was on, but it goes without saying, I have no recollection of it. So I did put the Jets shirt on. I actually went out yesterday. I went to Paragon Sporting Goods. I Googled sporting goods store near me. And Paragon on Broadway and 18th Street, which is the, the place I used to grow up getting my tennis stuff when I was a tennis player, uh, they, 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 I went over there, and I, I, they didn't have any jerseys, but they had a T-shirt. So I've got the Jets T-shirt working, and it does have the number eight and Rogers on the back of it. So I am officially wearing the closest thing I could find on short notice to an Aaron Rodgers jersey. And we will not be all fooling around. We will not be all Jets today, but we'll head in that direction because this really is a unique circumstance. I don't know how much I'm envisioning myself all the years that I lived and worked in Chicago. I think the White Sox fans know what I mean. The Jets have always been such the second team in our own town. The New York Giants are a heritage franchise. They've been around forever. They have been around as long as football has been played. The Jets didn't come into existence until the AFL began in 1960. They were the Titans originally, and they worked their way through. And then they had their magic with Namath. And then it just went away. In my lifetime, for a couple of years, we had those teams with Rex Ryan, and they went on hard knocks, and people paid them a lot of attention. Mostly, Rex was a character that everyone else loved to hate, and that was fine by me. But while I've always said I don't really care if anyone talks about my team or not, I only care if we win, the truth of the matter is it is kind of fun to have everyone talking about your team. It is kind of fun to be an expert in something that everyone else finds interesting. And it is kind of fun to all of a sudden host a national TV show and have the Jets be the most interesting rather than the least interesting team in the sport, which is what we usually have been. We are the most interesting team in the NFL, as evidenced by the fact that HBO jammed hard knocks down their throats. And I'm very much on record with my feelings on the Jets being on hard knocks. If that creates any problems, then they were going to have those problems anyway. 
Hard Knocks should not have anything to do with the Jets' outcome this year. I don't understand why they didn't want it so badly. Maybe it is because they felt burned by NFL films when that Sam Darnold thing came out a few years ago when he was during a Monday night game against New England when he said, I'm seeing ghosts. I don't know if they still have some sort of uh, vendetta based upon that. I don't know what the reality of it is. The truth of the matter is it shouldn't make any difference at all. Literally zero. There could not be more attention on Aaron Rodgers than there is. In fact, Devin, I was thinking about this. Hashtag Devin is uh, the only member of the hashtag crew I believe we have with us today. Bubba's away. Hembo, God knows where he is at this point. But Devin, you're with us today. Turn the microphone on. If I were to say that right now, the biggest star in American sports is Aaron Rodgers. Not the best player. The best player in American sports is Shohei Otani. Nothing's even close. But the biggest star in American sports right now is Rodgers. If I said that, what would you say? I would absolutely agree. He's he's the most popular or most talked about player in the most popular sport in America. It's Aaron Rodgers. I, I don't think there's any debate. I think that's right. I, I think with the offseason he had, he, look, he was already one of the biggest stars in sports, among the biggest, among the most legendary, among the most accomplished. And for a variety of reasons, in particular, the last few years, he's been very much in the center of the conversation. First, when his team traded up to take the other quarterback, and he was all upset, and then would he come back? Would he not come back? The holdout, all the press conferences that he gave, then all of the stuff about whether he was vaccinated, not vaccinated, all that stuff. I don't care what your opinion was on any of it. The point of it is it became a topic of conversation every single day, every single minute, in practically every household where sports was ever discussed. And now, after a tumultuous offseason in which he spent time in a dark room, he winds up in New York, of all places, trying to elevate a hand-picked team that hasn't won anything of consequence in more than half a century. So it's a story that writes itself. And I can tell you this, I'm not sure what it's like all around the country, but in New York, his every move has been documented, and he has been everywhere. He has been the definition of the man about town. He was at Nick games. He was at Ranger games. He was at the Taylor Swift concerts. He's at, uh, you know, sort of fancy-schmancy society events. Rogers is taking full advantage of everything that comes with being a New York star. Just ask Joe Namath. Joe Namath has had one of the great lives of anyone that you've ever heard of in sports based on one championship and two great seasons because he's Broadway Joe. There just is something different about the New York of it all. So Rodgers handpicked this situation, and here he comes as the biggest star in the sport. And he and his team are trying to do something that I think might be the hardest thing in sports to do. They're trying to catch lightning in a bottle. It can be done. It has been done. Tom Brady did it recently. Tom Brady, three years ago, goes to Tampa. The world says, Tampa? He says, yes, and they win the championship. Now here we are. Aaron Rodgers goes to the Jets. The world says, the Jets? He says, yes. So it can be done, but it's not easy because the window is just cracked a tiny little bit. I think realistically, the expectation is that you get two years. The expectation is that it is not just one, that it is two years for the Jets and for Rodgers, let's say at least to get to a Super Bowl. 
I cannot sit here and tell you that if the Jets get to the Super Bowl and lose a hard-fought game to the Eagles, that that would be a failure. That, that would be setting a standard that is just unrealistically high. But I think in the next two years, the Jets don't make at least one very deep playoff run, maybe get to a Super Bowl, then I don't think this thing can be judged as a success. And that's a tough spot to put yourself in. That's not what football is. And it's not where any of their competitors are, just based on Rodgers' age. It's not where Buffalo is. Some people are saying Buffalo's window has just closed. No, it hasn't. This particular little tiny window. But Josh Allen will just walk to a different room in the house and open that window. You got Allen for another 10 years. Your window is going to open again. Same with Burrow. Same with Mahomes. Same with Herbert. Same with Lamar. Same with any other quarterback you may love. Tua, if he could stay healthy. Jalen Hurts. The league is riddled with outstanding young quarterbacks. Maybe more so than at any time I can ever remember. Jets don't have that. Jets don't have the luxury of that time. So the Jets have to do the hardest thing in the world to do, which is put a team together on the fly. They've got a young group. Talented, hungry, no question. But inexperienced and young and in need of direction. And Rodgers is the guy to give it. So you know me. If you've been listening to my radio show or watching me on TV, you know where I stand. I couldn't be more all in on this. But I would say the pressure is immense. I'm looking over at Brandon, our stage manager here the last five years, who is every bit as crazy a Jet fan as I am. Maybe it's the Jet fan in me. But my feeling is this doesn't just turn out okay. This either is an extraordinary success or it is a biblical failure, right? The Jets don't ever do things a little. This either works out extraordinarily well. Did Brandon just wink at the camera? Did you actually just see fit to wink? They just took a shot of him. For those watching on ESPN+, Plus. they just grabbed a shot of Brandon. He was a handsome fellow. And Brandon looked directly into the camera and winked which made it look like a commercial for a cologne or something like that that's going on here. I don't know what the hell we're doing, but I can tell you that you have just completely distracted and sidetracked me from my thought. My question is, can this possibly go somewhere down the middle? Can this possibly turn out just okay? And the answer is no, maybe because of the expectations and certainly heightened by the fact that we are the Jets. But this is either an enormous success or it is a disaster. And I'm not sure which way I'd bet on that. We know where my heart is. Observing it from the outside, I really don't know what to expect. But I'm not on the outside. I'm on the inside. I'm the one who put a Jets t-shirt on underneath my jacket and button down to host a, nationally, a national television show this morning. So I will make no pretense of being on the outside. I'm as inside as it gets. And we'll see what winds up happening. I asked Lewis Riddick, is it Super Bowl or bust for the Jets? He didn't mince words on Get Up this morning. Nope, no, no. Don't enjoy it. I don't want him to enjoy nothing. I want him to get to the Super Bowl. And if not, you're going to be miserable because that's what you get. Because you've been saying all offseason, Aaron, Aaron, Aaron. I agree with Aaron. Aaron, this, Aaron, that. All last year, what was it? If we had a quarterback, we would be winning the division. We'd be smoking Buffalo. Yep. New England wouldn't even be in the picture. We could deal with Kansas City. We can deal with Cincy. We'd be as good as anybody. Well... What did they do this offseason? 
they went all in. They got the four-time MVP. He brought his offensive coordinator. He brought a couple of his boys in Lazard and Cobb. They have firepower on the perimeter. They've got a shutdown type caliber defense. No. Win the Super Bowl or shut up. It's pretty much that. Very few NFL teams go into a season with that as the expectation. Win a Super Bowl or shut up. I guess the Chiefs have that. But they also have the two trophies to fall back on if it doesn't happen. I guess the Eagles have that. Anything short of a Super Bowl, I guess, feels like a disappointment for them. Who else? Cincinnati? San Francisco? Buffalo? Probably not. There are probably a lot of ways they could have what could be deemed a successful season, at least by most reasonable observers. And it's not Super Bowl or shut up. I think the Jets are in Super Bowl or shut up mode. I'm all in. Let's see what happens. It begins today. Today is the first day of the rest of our lives. I'm Greeny. I'm presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. Coming up, the most sad I've ever been for anyone making $10 million a year. You'll hear why right after this. J-E-T-S. It's Greeny on ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Greeny, the podcast. Hi, right, Greeny with you here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. In 30 seconds, I will tell you the one person who makes all the money in the world by most human standards that I actually feel actively sorry for. But that's after this word from NHTSA. We all know about the speed of sound. But have you ever thought about the sounds of speeding? If you drive over the speed limit, there are lots of sounds you might hear. You could hear the sound of your vehicle crashing, the sound of first responders desperately trying to save you. You could even hear the sound of people crying at a funeral because if you drive over the speed limit, you could do damage that is beyond repair. One way or another, speeding catches up with you, paid for by NHTSA. All right, look, professional athletes by and large make an enormous amount of money. And I know that there is a lot of resentment relative to that, and there has been forever, and I totally get it. 
So I'm never going to put my I'm never going to sit here and say, you know, you should feel sorry for someone who is going to make ten point one million dollars to play a game this year. But the truth is, I do feel sorry for Saquon Barkley. I don't even know what's going to happen with Josh Jacobs. But here's what really bothers me about those guys. And the way they were handled by their teams. In neither case did their team pick up their fifth-year option. Basically, they told each of them as former first-round picks, you got to prove this to us. If you want a contract with this team, you got to show us what you can do. So what did they do? They put their teams on their backs. Josh Jacobs' team was bad. Lord knows that wasn't his fault. He led the NFL in rushing last year. Saquon Barkley's team was startlingly good. They made the playoffs when no one expected it. He was overwhelmingly the biggest reason why. And what did the Giants do? They paid their quarterback. That is the lot in life of the running back now. The minute they get driven off the lot, their value starts decreasing. Someone taught me that when I was young, and obviously it's not news to anyone, but when I got my first car, I remember my father telling me, you buy a car for, I'm just making up a number here, for $25,000, and the minute you drive it off the lot, it's worth 12500 It loses half its value the moment you pull out of the dealership, and that's what happens with these running backs. And Lewis Riddick was talking about it on TV this morning that what we are paying for, and by we, he means NFL teams, is not what you have done, but what you are projected to do. And the reality is I can't blame these teams. The projection on running backs based on history is their numbers will start to diminish the moment they reach exactly the stage that Barkley and Jacobs are. Five years in the league, six years in the league, seven. Go find the running backs who have put up big numbers, having been in the league longer than that. It's a short list. I'm not saying you won't find any, but I'm saying you won't find many. NFL teams are always looking for a running back, and then they're always looking for the next one. So the reality is, the best strategy to have if you're an NFL team is... Draft a running back in the first round. Mel Kuyper and I have this argument all the time. You know Mel is always talking about don't take a running back in round one. I would take a star running back in round one. Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, insert name here. Take a great running back. Use him up. Pay him next to nothing relative to the production that you get. If he's still going strong after five years, franchise tag him. If he's still going strong, tag him again. And then let him walk. And then he's seven years into his career. He's got seven years of mileage on his legs. You know what no team is going to do? Sign him to a huge contract. None. Now, the way the system is set up for a guy like Saquon now, he doesn't even have any hope of getting another deal done now. He's talking about, about uh, sitting out. Now, this is from the Money Matters podcast. I'm going to play you these 31 seconds of Saquon talking And you can hear how upset he is. I want to make it clear when this is from. This was from last week. So he did not say this after the franchise tag tag deadline came and went. He said it before. But still, this is what he said when he was asked about his leverage and how he would handle the situation. Because this is my leverage. My leverage is I can say to the Giants. I can say to my teammates and be like, you want me to show you my worth? You want to show you how much, how valuable I am to the team? I won't show up. Right. I won't play it down. And that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a play I can use. Do I, 
anybody knows me knows that's not something I want to do. But like, it's something that has it something that crossed my mind. It's like I never, I never thought I would ever do that. But like now, I'm at a point where it's like, Jesus, like I, I might have to take it to this level. So that was again before he uh, actually did uh, not get a long term deal done. But here's the point. What's he holding out for? He can't play for anyone else and they can't redo his deal now. He cannot make. The rule is ridiculous. The rule is in place exclusively so that people like Saquon Barkley have no leverage at all. That they set a date arbitrarily right before training camp, July 17th, that if you don't get a deal done with your franchise tagged player, then you can no longer negotiate until the end of the season. So he's holding out for nothing. He's not holding out in hopes of, of the Giants caving. They already didn't. This, the die has already been cast. There's nothing he can do. So here's what's going to happen. He's going to come in. He has to. Because $10.1 million on the table that he will never get back if he sat out the entire season. But if I were him, and I know this may be one of the reasons I'm not a football player, I would have a strategy. I'm not saying I pretend to be hurt. But if you're an NFL player, particularly a running back, you don't have to pretend after week one, probably before week one. And I'm telling you right now, all those aches and pains, bumps and bruises, sprains and strains. You think I'm getting my knee shot up to go out there and play against Dallas next weekend? If I'm Saquon Barkley after the way you just handled me this offseason, hell no. I get seriously hurt this year, no one paying me a thing next year. I think the Giants really screwed this up. I really do. I think the optics of it are terrible. He's their most popular player. He's their most beloved player. They found all this money to pay this quarterback that no one thinks is that good. And they couldn't find a little bit for Saquon. I don't know exactly what he was asking for, but he wasn't asking for $30 million a year. He wasn't asking to be paid more than running backs get paid. He was asking to get paid like a top-of-the-line running back because he is one. Because he's that valuable to your team. There had to be a way to get this done. There had to be. I think it looks terrible. And I got giant fans upset everywhere. Danny, our security guard, walks me out every single day. Crazy giant fan. Aggravated. Upset. Only wants to talk about how the heck could we not get a deal done with Saquon. Uh, Marlon, Uber driver, <laughs> brings me to work this morning. Uh, you're greeny, right? Yeah. Oh, but what would the Giants do with Saquon? I usually have Jet fans coming up to me in the street. I got Giant fans now upset about Saquon, and I get it. It's a bad look. You ask a guy, you ask a guy to put himself on the line, the fourth most touches of any player in the league this year, all those hits, and he does everything you could possibly ask a player to do and drags you to unimaginable success. And then at the end you say, well, you took a lot of hits last year. I can't pay you now. It is a... It is a conundrum. I, I don't know what the running backs can do. I really don't. Because holding out doesn't do them any good. Ask Le'Veon Bell how holding out worked. He held out and sat on an entire season. He got a big deal with the Jets. That was nice. But the money he lost by not playing that season's money, he never got back. An NFL career is a, a max. If you're Saquon Barkley, you're going to play a maximum of 10 years. Let's just put a nice round number on it. A maximum of 10. This is 10% of the money you're ever going to make being a football player that you're never going to see. 
you know, he can't walk away from that. He has to take it. He has to sign. So my prediction is we wait until week one. He signs the middle of that week. He signs the franchise tender. He walks in. They can't find him a penny before that. He starts getting paid his five hundred and fifty grand or whatever it is every week. He certainly doesn't play week one, maybe not week two, and maybe he plays week three. Maybe week four, his knee doesn't feel so good. Again, if I'm a Giant fan, I don't blame him. I really don't. I get it in the heat of the moment, in the heat of the battle, when we get to October and you're dying for a win here, you might not feel that way, and I might not either. But the reality is, if he doesn't look out for him, who's going to? His own team has made it clear they're not. So I, for one, do not blame him at all if he puts himself at the top of his list of priorities. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance, insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs for protection on the road and on the water. See how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and progressive.com. We'll talk to Booger McFarland about that all a little bit later. Greeny's Takes. You know what, let me give you a couple of takes here, and, and let's go through a couple of the storylines that I think you need to keep your eye on closely through training camp. And we'll start with the rookie quarterbacks, because I think there is a lot of interest in how the rookie quarterbacks are going to fare, and in particular in one place. I think Carolina is a team that a lot of people believe has a real chance to compete this year. The Panthers play in the worst division in the sport. The NFC South, at least as the season begins, looks like about as bad a division as we've seen in a really long time. The NFC East was just ungodly bad a couple of years ago, right? And when we've had a couple of division winners over the years with sub-500 records. In fact, didn't Tampa win that division with a record under 500 just last year? I think they were 8-9. and nine. Well, I think that division figures to be even worse without Tom Brady in it. I know the, the Saints upgraded their quarterback situation with Derek Carr, but I don't think they're... I don't think anybody in that division scares you. Atlanta... Tampa should be really bad. So I think that you're looking at Carolina with Bryce Young, who's got all the experience and all the tools and championship pedigree and all the rest of that from his college career. I think he has a chance to be very pro-ready. I think he has a chance to be playing very meaningful games into November and December. So to me, as always, the rookie quarterbacks are a huge part of the storyline. And in particular, in this case, usually the number one pick goes to the worst team in the sport. But not the case this time. Carolina, not the worst team. And with a coaching staff, particularly an offensive staff, people are excited about. I'm fascinated to watch what happens there. And then we also have a lot of top championship contenders adjusting to new circumstances. The Chiefs are auditioning a new number one wide receiver. They have a new offensive coordinator. The Eagles are facing the loss of both of their coordinators, offensive and defensive. Both got head coaching jobs. The Bengals lost both their starting safeties to free agency. The 49ers, who will be their quarterback? Is Brock Purdy going to be back and healthy? Is he really any good, or was it just smoke and mirrors with Kyle Shanahan? Could it possibly be Sam Darnold? Could it possibly be Trey Lance? Those were the NFL's final four last year. Those are the last four teams standing last year. Kansas City and Philadelphia and Cincinnati and San Francisco. They've all got major question marks, major questions to answer. I'm fascinated to see what some of those answers are. So there's just a few takes as we work our way towards the start of the season. Meanwhile, there's something I just want you to know. I need you to listen carefully. 
I just want you to know. So every now and again, I like to keep you up to date on things that are happening in my life and with my family. So Stacey and I were on this trip to Japan. And we were all over the country. It was magnificent. Then we came back. And the next thing you know, you're right back on a plane. We had a wedding in Vermont this past weekend that we flew up to. And our very closest friends, their son got married. It was a beautiful wedding. It was great fun. My kids went. We had a terrific time. Congratulations, Michael and Ivy Dugan, the very happy young couple um, who got married on Saturday night in Vermont. But Devin, let, let me ask you a question. Are you a nervous flyer? I'm not, but once the the turbulence hits, I start to tremble a little bit. But overall, I'm not. Bingo. My wife is exactly the same way. Stace is exactly the same way. She is a an, an experienced flyer. She flies, has been flying a lot all of her life. And so she's not generally afraid to fly. But the minute that turbulence hits, I usually get the little grab of the arm, right? So on, uh, we flew up there on Friday. And it was a very, the, the pilot said, coming on the, uh, the loudspeaker, we are expecting it to be quite bumpy. You know, there were thunderstorms all over the Northeast, <coughs> excuse me, this past weekend. And so we were not delayed, but we were told to expect it to be quite bumpy. So now we're getting close to, this is a very short flight. New York to Vermont is a very, very short. This is about 40 minutes in the air, tops. So I, I, we're like 30 minutes into this flight. I know we're going to be landing soon. And the pilot comes on and says, everybody, please put on your seatbelts. Well, the flight attendants, please take their jump seats. We're expecting it to be a little bumpy. Immediately, Stace gives me the look. Like, this is not going to go well. The next thing I know, she grabs my arm. She is seated to my left. So she grabs my left arm. And the nails are digging in. And I'm just, you know, I got to be there. I got to be the rock. I got to be your expected in that moment to be like the one who's going to sort of hold it all together for the sake of the family. And she is digging the nails into my skin. And I just at the moment that I thought I might draw blood, I said to her, Stace, you're kind of really digging your nails into my arm. And she looked at me and she said, that's the only thing keeping us alive. I swear on my life she said that to me. And how do I argue with that? So we landed that way. And thankfully, there was no blood. But I can tell you the indentations, the four fingers jammed into my skin on this forearm lasted the rest of the day. I had them to show everyone that night at the rehearsal dinner. They made it all the way to the night. We had a morning flight. Like 10 hours go by, and I've still got four little very visible and notable, noticeable indentations in my left forearm from my wife's nails. But there was no getting around it, because in her words, they were the only thing keeping us alive. Such is my life. It's something I just wanted you to know. All right, we're going to take some phone calls today. We almost never do it in the first hour, so let's do it now. What do you want to know? 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Interesting time in sports. we got all the baseball working here. NBA offseason is pretty much wrapped up now, if you have any questions about that. And obviously, full steam ahead on NFL training camps, plus the British Open this weekend. What do you want to know? You ask the question, I'll give you the answer. 888-729-3776. Greeny, the podcast. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. You can also watch our show live on the ESPN app. Just click on watch. Look for hashtag Greeny. 
and enjoy. And at this interesting little juncture on the sports calendar with NFL training camps opening, British Open this weekend, baseball in full swing, basketball free agency pretty much behind us, I thought we'd throw open the phones here early in the program. So what do you want to know is the question. 888-SAY-ESPN is the phone number. And Devin, who is our first up? Let's go with uh, Mitch in Virginia. All right, Mitch, welcome to ESPN Radio. What do you want to know? Hey, Greeny, how are you, man? Uh, so I'm a native New Yorker who's moved to Chicago like you, and now I'm living in Virginia. And my Jets fandom has traveled with me. But I am curious from watching you with my 15-year-old son a lot since Rodgers came over, how much is true Jet fan and how much is just shtick, you know? Because we laugh every time. Well, I'm glad that you laugh. I will tell you that none of it is shtick. Um, I, I will I will tell you that this is how I generally am. I, I, I don't know where to begin to lay out my credentials for you, but I grew up going to every single Jet game with my father at Chase Stadium. When I went away to college, I went around, I went about trying to find ways to watch. When I went to college, it was before there was satellite TV and sports bars and all of that. I did my best to watch as many Jet games as I could, and I would call my father after every significant play. And we would literally talk on the phone during a Jet game 15 times. And then I moved back here, and my dad and I watched games together. And the only thing I wanted in life was to someday sit next to my father and watch the Jets play in the Super Bowl. And unfortunately, outside of in spirit, I'm never going to get the chance to do that now. But maybe I can do it with my kids. We were actually just talking about this the other day on our way to the wedding in Vermont. I promised the kids they've never been to a Super Bowl. I said, if the Jets, when the Jets make it to the Super Bowl, you will go. I'm going to bring grandma to it, bring my mom, and we will go. So that is my hope. So this this is as real as it could possibly get. Am I having some fun with it right now because of the Aaron Rodgers of it all? Yeah, sure. But this is fun. <laughs> Most of the time it stinks. So I, I am definitely... Um, playing up my enjoyment. But I, I will tell you, my credentials are also in, intact as being a fan on the air. When we started Mike and Mike, I cannot begin to tell you, go back and look it up, the criticism I received for acknowledging on the air what team I rooted for. In those days, you didn't do that. People wouldn't let you, if you were hosting a talk show, they didn't want you to say who you rooted for. That's unprofessional. And I thought to myself, why is anyone listening to this show? They're listening because they're sports fans. They are listening because they care about a team the way I care about mine. So why couldn't I tell them which team I care about? Didn't make any sense to me then. And I'm certainly glad I did it. Everybody does it now, and that's fine. That's the way it should be. I got my team. You got yours. Let's go. Football season's starting. There's no better time. Thank you for the call. Who's next, Evan? We got Fred from Texas. All right, Fred, you're on ESPN Radio. What do you want to know? Uh, Mr. Greenberg, how are you, sir? Great. Knowing, like most geniuses, you will not be appreciated, fully appreciated, until after your time. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you were to become the commissioner of the PGA, what steps would you take to either bring Liv and the PGA Tour together or separate them completely? What would you you do? It's a great question. You, you, You cannot separate them completely. So I've talked to some people who are close to that situation as it unfolded and, and the way the negotiations went. And it was a terrible look for the PGA Tour. There's just no question to have been 
to have said the things they did, to have, have, have made, to have put their own players in the position that they did for as long as they did, let all those comments be out there, let all of that live, and then have to, um, and then have to walk it all back and make this deal that looked awful. And I think they knew that. But th- my understanding is it was just unavoidable. The money on the other side is so enormous, it never would have gone away. It never would have gone away. The Saudis wanted to exactly what has happened to happen. And when you have an unlimited amount of money, they would have just kept coming. Because I don't care if you're Rory McIlroy, you're Jordan Spieth, you're Justin Thomas, you're John Rahm. There's just at some point there's an amount of money you can't say no to. And certainly young people coming into the sport. I think the PJ Tour became convinced that, that they were willing, that the Saudis were willing to wait this thing out as long as it took. And so they had no choice but just to make a deal. Was it the right thing to do? I'm not going to sit here and tell you it was the right or the wrong thing to do, but I understand why they felt they had to do it. They would have gone broke trying to fight them off. So what would I do now? I think at some point you just have to bring everybody back. You just have to let them all back in. I think you have to make good the people who didn't go. You've got to find some way to um, reward Rory McIlroy and, and all the guys I just named who didn't go who turned down enormous amount of money, and then you just get on with your life. There's nothing else you can do about it. They're certainly not being separated again. I got one minute. Let's do one more quickie. Devin, go. Keith from Montana. Keith, what's your, what do you want to know? Hey, um, so I just want to know, uh, well, I guess we all know that the Green Bay Super Packers of America are going to the Super Bowl this year, but is it going to be because of the play of Jordan Love? So I don't think that the Packers are going to go to the Super Bowl, but I actually am one who believes the Packers are going to have a really good year. Um, you know, Love, I, I'm old enough to remember a time when quarterbacks served an apprenticeship, when we didn't draft a guy in the first round and throw him out there on the field immediately. And that has ruined a lot of young quarterbacks. Jordan Love, if he's any good, and they traded up to take him, and they generally draft well, has served a three-year apprenticeship behind one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. He steps into a team that's pretty good with a good defense, at least a lot of good defensive players, veteran experienced winning coach, the receivers, those guys, those young guys, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, they might turn out to be really good. Team runs the ball really well with Jones and uh, and A.J. Dillon. So they right now have the longest odds of any team to win the NFC North. I don't think they're going to win the Super Bowl, but I think they're going to be a lot better than most other people seem to think they're going to be. All right, my buddy Booger will jump in here shortly. We'll have more time for more calls a little bit later. This is Greeny. You're listening to ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and see it with the video on ESPN+. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.